Well, good morning, family. For those of you here and those of you watching online, I am glad you're here. This is a great day. I, I normally start off, uh, most mornings, listen to some, some worship music of some sort. And uh, especially on Sunday, I, like when I'm getting ready, I'll put on some. This morning, I put on Louis Armstrong's It's a Beautiful World. <laughs> right? And just like, it's a worship song, isn't it? Right, something like that. Just add God in there instead of world. But um, what, a, what a great day it is. I, when I was driving in, I got rain. Is it raining at all out there? It is, huh? Because I, I felt like, you know, Noah and looking up and going, what's that? It's been a while, and I'm glad we get some. And I'm a sun guy, but wow, we need that. And it's, it's a nice change. Sure enjoying it. It's a good day to worship God, and we're going to have a good time. We're, we're in the book of Hebrews, and um, we're just titling it Just Better, because it is just better. Everything, Jesus is better. And and the book is written to some um, Hebrews that are going through a really difficult time and, uh, and are needing some encouragement and are in danger, some of them, in their faith. So um, we're taking a look at that, and I want to open in prayer and ask for God's help. Will you join me? Heavenly Father, we come before you, and Lord, I pray for your anointing. Lord, as I share, Lord, help me to communicate your truth and, uh, and help us all to hear what you would say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. It starts off in the first verse. It says, now this is the main point. That's always good to hear. You know that you're, you're kind of coming to the core of what's going on. And he says, this is the main point of the things we're saying. So he's going to give us kind of a, an, just kind of an overview in, in a couple of short sentences what this is all about. It says, we have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected, not man. Now, as we start off, you might, uh, uh, you know, some of you are kind of lost already. If you aren't familiar with the Old Testament, especially um, the uh, Old Testament worship, tabernacle, priesthood, and so forth, you might be asking the question, okay, what does this have to do with my life? I, you know, I've got bills to pay, I've got health issues, I've got kids that need shoes, I've got a college tuition, I've got fears, anxieties, I'm alone, or my marriage needs some help. I mean, you look at this, does this have anything to do with all the issues that I have in my life going on right now? How can this be effective or helpful at all? And I just want you to know the entire Bible is helpful in every area of our life. But I do want to say this, that if you catch what we're saying here, well, if, if, if you haven't got what this is t- talking about, if you get it today, it will change your life. It, it, th- this is about those things at, at the core. And when we're done, you're going to see how it relates to every area of your life. The, the issue here is that there is a priesthood. And you go, what is that? Well, the priesthood is and was um, God's plan for having an advocate or having advocates for you to God. God set up a system in the Old Testament. And, uh, and it, it's, it's under what was called the, the first covenant and, or the old covenant. And, and in that system, God made a way for people to have an advocate, God's people to have an advocate on their behalf. Um, Job, prior to, in fact, the, the law be given or the new covenant, Job was under a tremendous amount of pressure in his life, some real difficulty, and he was crying out to God. And in one of the things he cried out, he says, oh, if I could have, if I could have an advocate, if I could have someone 
to stand in the, in the gap for me and God, someone to go before God on my behalf. Because he felt like if he could have someone do that, maybe if there was someone capable of doing that, he could get some relief. He could get God to hear him. And, uh, and the priesthood is kind of the old covenant priesthood was set for that. The people that, are, that, that he's writing to and, and has given this information, and I, probably if you were to compare your problems with their problems, they might, their problems might exceed what you're going through. If you have challenges in your life, I want you to know that these people had major issues going on in their life. There was risk of imprisonment and death uh, for their faith in Christ. And uh, there are a lot of things going on, being disowned by their family. Uh, Persecution at a very high level was going on, besides having to make make ends meet too. They had a living. But of course, if they, they weren't just paying a mortgage, they were just trying to find food. So... That's some of the challenges that they were dealing with and looking for an advocate themselves. But in this new covenant, God says we have an advocate. In fact, 1 John chapter 2, it says this. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Now, he, he wants to give us kind of a, a, an argument, a reason why we should trust Jesus as our high priest. And, and he uses an argument from the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. And, uh, and he uses one scripture. And the reason it's important that he does that, it's important that we understand that we get our truth from God's word. That it's, I, I've had people say over, you know, different times uh, where someone has come to me and said, you know, I, I, I know you said this, but, um, but I feel like God wouldn't do it that way. Or I feel God doesn't you know that's not the way God and and what I want to say I don't I'm usually pretty kind about it but what I want to say is what an arrogant prideful idea that your emotions are the arbiter of truth because whether you feel it or not that is not the determiner of truth God's word is the determiner and so as Christians, what we do is we look in God's word, and we, we, if we maybe disagree on something, at least we should have a foundation for it where the truth exists. God has given us revelation of truth, and that supersedes our feelings. You see, feelings can get us in big, big trouble. Have you ever felt something that was the wrong feeling? Uh, yeah, probably. I remember dating um, Some wrong feelings there. Wrong people. But point, point simply this. God, God has given us a high priest, and what that means and what it does for us is life-changing if you understand it. Let's go through this text a little bit further, and let's look at what is going on. Now, I said he made a, he, he's made an argument. It was earlier on. He made this argument based upon one scripture, it was a scripture of prophecy, actually. It's found in Psalms 110, and uh, the writer is prophesying about a future priest that's going to come. Jesus is that priest. He's prophesying about a future priest that is coming, and he tells us that he's not like all the other priests. That this future priest, and he ties in with a guy named Melchizedek, who is just a couple scriptures, that's all that the Bible talked about him in the Old Testament, where he, he showed up on the scenes at the time of Abraham, and he says, this future priest is going to be like that guy. Now, that guy wasn't part of the, uh, even Abraham's line, he was, he, but he knew God. He wasn't a Jew, he, but he knew God. And he also... He also wasn't part of the uh, Levitical priesthood. So when God set up 
when Moses gave the law and set up this system for the people that was a system that would be beneficial and a blessing to them in walking with God, God set up a system where there was a priesthood that would come from you know, Aaron's line and the Le Le Levitical line of people. And so you had to be part of that uh, lineage in order to be a priest. If you weren't part of that lineage, that wasn't your calling. That, that group of people were the priests and their children and children and children. So God had set that up, but this guy Melchizedek wasn't part of that group. So what he was saying, this, this psalmist, when he was saying this prophecy... He was saying, there's going to be a priest, but he's not part of the Levitical priesthood that you know. He's going to be like this guy, Melchizedek, who is just, we don't even know who he was, but we know he wasn't part of that group. Now he's starting to make his argument, and now I want you to look at this in verse 3. He says, for every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, therefore, it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. So what does the high priest do? Well, the priests and the high priests specifically take sacrifices for the people's sin and offers them to God, takes gifts of offering of worship that he offers to God on behalf of the people, you see, and he prays on behalf of the people, brings the people's burden to God. That's what he does. Now, we don't have a priesthood anymore. And I know the Catholic Church has priests, but that, that's, that came along way after the church. The church, when the, when, when the, the apostles came in, there, were no, there weren't any priests in the church because they understood that we have a priest now, a different priest, a different priesthood. And so what, what, uh, what happened is that they gave these gifts. And he says, so if... This is a priest, and he is. Jesus is our priest. Well, we would expect him to bring gifts too, right? He would bring sacrifices. Look at verse 4. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest because he's not part of the right line. Since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law. And he doesn't offer the gifts according to the law. He'd have to be a, a Levitical priest, right? You have to do it that way. Who serve the copy and the shadow of the heavenly things as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to, to, to make the tabernacle. For he said, see that you make all things according to the pattern showing to, shown to you on the mount. So when Moses went to Mount Sinai, God gave him a pattern, right, of, of how they were to build the tabernacle and how they do the priesthood, all the Levitical, um, you know, all the... Um, the, the, the laws of the covenant was given to them. And he was, he was told that this is what it's to be like. But God showed him of the real thing. God showed him this was a pattern. A pattern of what? A pattern of the real tabernacle in heaven. That there's a real tabernacle, there's a real place. Now, you can't make, probably I would assume, you cannot make a exact replica of a heavenly tabernacle. But you can make something that, that gives a connection to, some uh, an idea to. The tabernacle is an interesting thing. It's very small. We could probably put six of them in this room. The tabernacle was not big. And, uh, and it, was, it was basically the, the one section. You have the, the holy place, which was twice the size of the uh, Holy of Holies, and you had, you had it basically, tw you know, 20 cubits or um, close to a yard uh, long by 10, and the, the Holy of Holies was 10 by 10. And it wasn't beautiful on the outside. If you looked at it, there, you had animal skins covering the outside of the tabernacle. Someone would come up and think it's just a tent. That's what it was called, the tent of meeting, in fact. It was just a tent. It, on the inside, though, the poles that held up the tent were made of, uh, you know, were, were, were gold, covering acacia wood. It was gold and silver, and there was beautiful tapestry on the inside that could be seen. And then you, of course, had, you know, the, the, you, you had the, the, um, the, 
the mercy seat or the, the ark of the covenant covered in gold and you had the lampstand and so forth. It would be pretty on the inside, pretty beautiful, but not, not ornate in any way compared to some of the buildings and, and things that we have today. It was, it was an interesting thing. On the outside, it didn't even look good. It was animal skin because it represented something. You see, Jesus... Who is, you know, who is our, who is the tabernacle of God? Jesus, on the outside, he was, the Bible says there's no, nothing about him physically. There's no calmliness, is why the old King James would say. There's nothing about him physically that you would go, that is a handsome man. I know some of the pictures, he, he looks pretty, you know, pretty handsome guy, but. It says there's nothing about him, but we would be attracted to him physically. Outside, pretty normal. Inside, pure gold. See, the inside, the inside. So this tabernacle that God had Moses built was kind of a pattern of what you would see in the heavenlies as well. And so he, he says, but... So this, this, but now, verse 6, but now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant. So we have a better high priest, and now we have a better high priest who is serving a better covenant. He says, Inasmuch as he also is a mediator of a better covenant, which has, was established on better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. You got the first covenant. First covenant was the covenant that God gave that the, the, the Hebrews primarily responsible for following. The, the people of God were responsible for following. And in doing so, the message of who God is would spread around the world. But there was a problem with the first covenant. You'll notice in verse 8, it says, because finding fault with them, finding fault with them. Get that, finding fault with them. What was wrong with the first covenant? You. you. You were wrong with Okay, me too. Okay, we're, we're the problem. The covenant wasn't the problem. The covenant was great. The gov co covenant was true. In fact, if you follow the covenant, what a great, what a great life. Not only that, if you could follow it the way it was supposed to be followed perfectly, if you follow that covenant, that would be enough problem can't didn't i mean the children of israel god god brings them out of egypt with miracles they see amazing things right the red sea party god feeds them he, he takes them to mount sinai moses goes up the mountain they see lightning and thunder and earthquake they amazing god is doing something up there moses is up there but he's up there a little bit long and they can't even wait 40 days before they start worshiping idols and having orgies and, and they, they have just gone completely into sin in 40 days they can't even keep themselves and and god hasn't even brought down the covenant yet the law we have a problem. And the problem with the covenant is us. So the writer goes to Jeremiah 31. He's using the scripture again. He says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah and eventually to all mankind or all Gentiles who come in because we're grafted in. He says, I'll make a new covenant. So what has happened is, all these Hebrews have been looking, someday there's a new covenant coming. So from way back, the prophets, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, have prophesied that God is going to bring a new covenant. We have this covenant. And it's been kept. This is an important covenant that God has given us. 
But we have a new covenant coming. You know, in the, in the tabernacle and eventually the temple, there was something that you're all aware of because you've seen the movie. It's, the, it's called, what, the Ark of what? The Ark of the what? Covenant. What was in there? Well, there's several things besides the, you know, the staff of Aaron and so forth. There was the, the main thing that it was is the Ark of the Covenant was the Ten Commandments. You had the Ten Commandments in the Ark of the Covenant. You have the Old Covenant in the Ark of the Covenant. But anyone that was honest with themselves understood that they couldn't fulfill the first covenant. They would come short. Paul the Apostle um, was, I mean, this guy was really sincere. When he was, a, when he was Saul, as a, as a uh, Pharisee, this man kept the law. But he claimed this. You know, if you would ask Paul, you know, or Saul, says, hey, hey, have you kept the law? Yeah, he would, he would start off saying, yeah, yeah. But there was something that bothered him. Because have you killed anybody? No, no. H- have you, you know, committed adultery? No, I haven't done that. Yeah. Have you used the Lord's name in vain? No. But Paul said this. He says, when, when he came to the commandment, thou shalt not covet, he said, that slew me. That slew me. Because he, at that point, he was coming from an, an outward action to an inward issue of his heart. And so then he said, I'm, I'm dead because I, I found I cannot keep that. That's what Jesus was doing when he came and he spoke to the people and he said this. You've heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say to you, if you look upon a woman to lust after her, you've already committed adultery in your heart. You've heard it said, thou shalt not murder. But I say unto you, if you have anger toward a person, you've already committed, committed murder in your heart. You see, hey, if you have hatred toward someone, you have committed murder in your heart. Jesus was saying this. That it's more than just the outside. It's a hard issue. And so where we fail, sometimes we can keep to an extent, at least for some length of time sometimes, we may be able to do the outside, you know, the, the, the physical seeing things. But the issue of the heart can't even be, we don't even approach getting that right. And that's where the problem comes. See, this is why legalism fails totally. Legalism is all about the externals. Legalism starts adding issues to it. That's what the, that's what the Pharisees did. That they added, you know, they added stuff. Like the Bible says to keep the Sabbath holy, and then they start adding things. You can't walk farther than this. You can't lift this. You know, you can't push this button, whatever it might be. You start adding these external things because it's easier to do these external things than deal with your heart. And and the covenant is more than this, the external things. They're issues of the heart. And so he, he says, he says, um, not according, to, verse 9, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt because they did not continue in my covenant. And I dis, disregarded them, says the Lord. Remember, they didn't follow, and they end up paying the price. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel and with, after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them in their hearts. So he says, here's the new covenant that's coming. Now, remember, this is, you know, this is prior. This is more than 2,000 years ago. He was telling them there's a new covenant coming. Here's a new covenant that's coming. He says, the law that you read and you see, I'm going to put it in your heart, in your mind, and write them on your heart. So something, it's not just an external thing now. It's coming from the power to fulfill it is coming from inside. And that's what happens when a person comes to the high priest, Jesus Christ, 
and invites him into their life and believes upon the sacrifice he made for them and is born again. To be born again means the Holy Spirit comes in you and attaches his spirit with your spirit. You become one. And at that point, the, the God transforms you from the inside out. And the law of God starts to change you from the inside out. It's no longer just kind of reading what God says is right and wrong. You know it from your soul. Because the Spirit of God convicts you, the Bible says. The Spirit of God tells you. The Spirit of God guides you in these things. And if you have the Spirit of God in you, then there's going to be a transformation that happens to you. If, in fact, you do not have that conviction, you do not have that work of God's Spirit, you're not the Lord's. You have a spurious salvation. You're not truly born again. Now, a born-again Christian can suppress for a while. It will cost them dearly. But you can. You can suppress. And I would say to an extent, all of us have done that at some point in our life and do it at times where we know it's wrong and we continue on or God's trying to tell us to go this direction instead of that direction and we find out it, you know, in our life. But God is telling us. God's teaching us. And you get that right off early on in your Christian life. You don't have to grow into it. The Holy Spirit comes inside of you and starts to transform you. I've told my story many times, but it, it's, it's worth it for some of you who aren't here. When I got saved, the day I got saved, I accepted Christ. The next day, my friends called me up and says, we got a lot of, you know, we got, we got some drugs. Let's do some stuff. Let's have some fun. So that was kind of part of my, my teenage life and to an extent. I did did, did that, and uh, so I went off. We went to play some basketball and get high. We got high, and I spent the entire time while everybody else was playing basketball in a corner. I was miserable. I didn't understand what it was because I was told, I mean, the, that day we particularly, you know, did pot, and I, you know, we always made it up. That was kind of like, well, God made it, so it must be good. So I had no idea, you know, in, in any way that there was anything possibly wrong with that. And so here I am sitting in the corner just going, there's something wrong. And I don't know why. I, I, there's something wrong. And I didn't enjoy it at all. In fact, it was the last time I did it. In fact, I never, after that, I, 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 I had one beer and I felt like that was something I shouldn't do. I just felt it in my spirit. Yeah. And some people that's, that uh, don't, don't get, but I felt that. The Holy Spirit said, you're to stay away from that stuff. And, uh, and no one told me. And I've had that kind of experience all my Christian life. I, it wasn't a one time, two times. I'll, I'll be watching a movie and the Holy Spirit will say, this is going the wrong direction. You know, I don't have to wait until the wrong thing gets on the screen to know, you know, I can push a button. And what happens is, as you start to follow the Holy Spirit, you, you do those things. You, you walk. And now when you don't, God will convict you. God will make you feel miserable if you push against that and you kind of block off God from doing that as a Christian. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, God will discipline you. And it's painful. And, and you know, some of you have been spanked by God. And he, he doesn't hold back sometimes when he's spanking you because he's going to get his point across. But this is, this is the way a Christian lives. The Holy Spirit is in you. He convicts you. You follow after God. And he places his spirit in you. He helps you. He's called the helper. He teaches you. He's called the teacher. This is all part of the of the new covenant. Does that sound good to you? Is that right? Are some of you kind of convicted right now? I don't know. Are you quiet? I, I understand. I understand. I've disobeyed God way too many times in my own life and know the painful consequences of it in, in that. But anyhow, He says, so this is the first one. The Holy Spirit comes into our lives. Now look at the next one it says about this new covenant. And I'll be their God and they shall be my people. 
This is the new covenant, right? I will be, my, be their God, and they shall be my people. God, the Holy Spirit, gives us this new covenant of his blood. Um, and so he says, then none of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother saying, know the Lord. For all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. Notice what he's saying now. Okay, you had a religion that helped you do the right things, but now the new covenant is not about a religion, it's about relationship. Now, I know you Christians say this. It's not about a religion, it's about a relationship. That's what the new covenant is. He says, none of you will have to tell your neighbor or tell your, your brother, know the Lord, because if they are a believer, they know the Lord. That's what it's about. I mean, the moment you say yes to Jesus, the moment you say, Jesus, you know, be my Savior, come into my life, the moment you believe of, of the gospel, that moment that that happens, you have a relationship with God. It starts then. Now, that relationship can grow deep and wonderful and beautiful, or that, can, that relationship can be very minimal. It can be, you know, it can it, it can be, uh, you know, hardly even a relationship. But if you are in the new covenant, you have full access to an intimate, wonderful relationship with God. And he wants you to have that relationship. He wants you to walk in that relationship, to know him and to love him and enjoy him. It's not about, you know, how many commandments I can do and how many, you know, how many good acts I can do for God. It's not about that. It's about a relationship. You know, this morning when I woke up, my first thing was to talk with God. He's my friend. I, you know, it's, it's not a, you know, I, I, I didn't go, you know, I got to get my 10 minutes in here and I got to understand, I, I have a prayer to pray, you know. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, I pray, oh God, today I don't know what to pray. No, it's a relationship. You know, I'll say, I'll say Heavenly Father, I love you. Just, you know, Jesus, thank you, God, for this day. <laughs> Good morning, Lord. I know he's been awake the whole time watching me. I know that about God. I know his goodness. I know what he's like. I, I've seen the other side of the Lord too when he's said, Rick, you got to learn some things. I know that side of God too, but it's a loving father. I know, I know who he is. You know who he is, don't you? If you don't, you get to if you want to. That's the provision he made for us in this new covenant that God has given us. It's a relational covenant. Getting to know God, walking with him, enjoying him. You're never alone. No matter if no one else is around, you're never alone. He's there for you. And he's there for you because he loves you. And, and if you don't understand that, then... You only think God is there because of his, kind of like he has to be. He's promised to be. And it's more of a business deal with God. And God doesn't, is not about a business deal with you. It's about a relationship. It's family. It says this, and for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. Ah, I'm fully forgiven. God doesn't remember your sin. Every month we have communion. We will have it next week. And we usually talk about what Jesus said on that last meal with his disciples. And he took out the cup and he said, this is the cup of the what? New covenant, yes. The new covenant of my blood. 
This is a cup of the new covenant of my blood. What do we know about that blood? It washes us clean. It washes every sin. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you continually, cleanses you from all of your sin. And notice he says, it says there, your lawless deeds I will remember no more. That's more than having it covered. See, what they had was a covering. God set up a system that their sins could be covered. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, um, you know, you have a stain on the floor on the carpeting and you move, a, you know, you, you have a, a little place covering you kind of put over it, right? You throw that down when the company comes. You, you're covering a stain, you know. Problem is some of you have cats and that stain has something added to just the appearance, right? You can smell it. So <clears throat> until you get used to it. It's kind of us. We live, we live near uh, where the, uh, there are a lot of cows around where we live. And, um, and it, 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 at first, our house smelt like cow. But it doesn't anymore. <laughs> Until someone else comes and, yeah. Yeah, that's what happens, right? Sin, sin is like that, right? You do it long enough, you don't smell anymore. Everybody else does. God does. But anyhow, our point is, it was covered. This is what the new covenant is. Your sin, it's not covered. It's forgotten. It's cleansed. It's pure. When God sees you, he sees you sinless. He sees you pure. He sees you with the righteousness of Jesus. So when you come to God, you come in the righteousness of Jesus. Now let me ask you this. If Jesus comes to the Father for something, how do you think he's received? Pretty good? Absolutely. How are you received if God has forgotten your sins. Now, some of you have sins. You, in fact, all of us have things that we regret. We look back and say, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Some of you are plagued by shame and guilt from things in your past, and God has already forgotten them. He didn't even know what you're thinking about in that regard. He didn't, he, he didn't care. It's gone it's completely wiped clean. You're in the righteousness of Jesus, and yet you approach God like you still are under sin. But if you understand this, and you believe the truth, then that changes the way you approach God. That's why this same writer says that we come before God boldly to a throne of grace to obtain help when we need it. That changes the way you approach God. You have an issue in your life and you just are so aware of your failure before God and you feel, maybe you feel like there's, there's something wrong. Maybe that's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You, you come to God and you, for, you ask for forgiveness. You get cleansed. But once it's cleansed, will you stop asking God to forgive you for something he's already forgiven you of? Knock it off. Get some faith. God's already cleansed you. It's done. It's over with. Move on into the grace and the wonder and the joy that God has for you in your life and your relationship with him. Move forward because God has already accepted you. Come boldly to the throne of grace. You're walking in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And you come before him and you can, you can ask him, you can petition him. And knowing that sitting right next to him is Jesus going, that's one of ours, Father, that's one of ours. I made the sacrifice. The blood has been shed. I'm sure he doesn't have to say that every time, but you understand, that's the, that's the essence of it. Jesus is there. And he's paid the price for us. And we live in a new covenant. Don't you like that? Isn't that a good thing? Does that change then all those things we said you have to deal with? Does that change the fact that 
Well, maybe, maybe you do have a mortgage to pay. Maybe the doctor has given you not so good a news. Maybe your marriage is struggling. Maybe, you know, you have to, maybe, maybe you have to find a new job. Maybe whatever it might be, does, does that make a difference that you can come to God in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, knowing you're cleansed? You can come to a God that you have a relationship with. You're, you're, you're not coming to a unknown judge. You're coming to your Father. Does it make a difference how you approach? Does it make a difference in your confidence that God can hear you and will hear you and care for you and take care of you and need your needs, whatever they may be? Maybe you'll stop worrying so much. Maybe you'll stop being so anxious about things. He that did not withhold his own son, how shall he not with him also freely give you all things? Can't you trust him? Absolutely. And I would say to you, being part of the new covenant is a big deal. And you can settle that issue. It's already been settled. And next week when we take communion and we say this is the, co this is the new covenant of his blood, I hope it means a little bit more to you of what it means in your relationship with God. Well, Father, I thank you because we do have a relationship. And I, I know, I, I'm pretty sure there are quite a few people here this morning and watching online who, um, Lord, they've not developed that relationship with you. They, they more see their, you know, their, their Christian walk as a religious duty and responsibility, and hopefully they'll get a few things out of it and not out of a, the, 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 the complete and total desire of your heart for us to have a relationship with you. That, Lord, I pray that would, that would supersede, that we're not in the old covenant, we're in a new one. That, Lord, we don't have to live in our past, in our failure, but the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. You know, um, we call ourselves Christians, and it's a good term. I don't want to. I, I don't want to down that. That's a good term, but it doesn't give the full picture. Because Christian, the word Christian, kind of connotates a religion we're part of. I like to say I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm not. I still will call myself Christian. I'm not like what I'm saying. This is about a relationship. And I want to pray with anyone that needs to jump into that relationship to accept Christ as your Savior. And if you're out there listening or in here and you need Jesus, I want to invite you to a prayer. And it's not the prayer, it's your heart. But I'm going to give you words to the prayer that will be helpful. You can just say it this way. Dear God, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for my sins and was buried and rose again. Jesus, I invite you into my life and I receive you as my Savior. I choose you, Lord, to be my Savior. And I ask you to help me. I want to follow you from now on. I ask you to cleanse my soul. I've sinned. I've sinned more times than I know, and I ask you to cleanse them all all of my sins. I ask you to do that. And help me to follow you from now on, I pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that, I invite you to go to our website, ccanaheim.com, and let us know. We'll send you some information that will help you in your walk with God. Are you ready to celebrate? We have a lot to celebrate, don't we? Let's celebrate. <laughs>
Why don't you stand with us to your feet as we close? Try this again. I said, all my life, all I know, God's been good, good to my soul. Mountain high, valley low, I'm gonna sing wherever I go. I said, all my life, all I know, God's been good, good to my soul. Mountain high, valley low, I'm gonna sing wherever I go. God is for me. God is for me. He's not against me. I will hold to the plans He has for me. When I'm broken, He will fix me. So I will call on the name of the Lord. I said, all my life, all my life, God's been good, good to my soul. Mountain high, valley low. All my life, all I know, God's been good, good to my soul. Mountain high, valley low, I'm gonna sing wherever I go. He's my heart song, in my sorrow. He's my hope and my strength for tomorrow. When the storms rise, all I will call on the name of the Lord. Come on, sing it out. Oh, I sing all my life, all my life. God's been good, good to my soul. Mountain high, valley low. I'm going to sing wherever I go. All my life, all my life. God's been good, good to my soul. Mountain high, valley low. I'm going to sing wherever I go. I got joy, joy, joy deep in my soul. So I will sing, sing, sing wherever I go. Yeah, sing it out. Oh, I said all my life, all I know, God be good, good to my soul. I said, all my life, all I know, God's been good, good to my soul. Mountain high, valley low, I'm going to sing wherever I go. Amen. 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 God bless you, church. Be blessed as you go. May the joy of the Lord fill you. God bless. All my life, all I know. Good, good to my soul, mountain high, valley low. I'm gonna sing wherever I go. All my life, all I know, God be good, good to my soul, mountain high, valley low. I'm gonna sing wherever I go. All my life, all I know, God be good, good to my soul, mountain high, valley low. I'm gonna sing with